Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Almost live from the trenches of New York City, here are your middle-aged warriors, Chris Cimino and Rick Summers. Hey, welcome again. It's so good when you're with us because... We're alone otherwise. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> that we're, sucks. We're just a couple of losers talking to ourselves. <laughs> yeah, but it's great to have you on board. Middle-aged warriors, Chris Cimino, that's him. Rick Summers, that's me. And this is show number 60, which is apropos. The big 6-0. Because we both hit the big 6-0. This past year. Now, we're, we are, by the way, we're just a few days away. Maybe by the time this is actually people are listening to it. You will be 60 plus one. That's right. And we're having a big bash because we missed last year's. That's right, because of uh, COVID. Whatever that thing is, yes. Yeah. So I'm excited. Are I, you excited about this party? I am very excited, except I got to tell you, um, you know how Valerie at the very beginning of our show announces almost live. <laughs> I feel like I'm almost dead because <laughs> sinuses are killing yeah, me. Yeah. Oh, God. Have anyway. a long time there with a the kid. Don't Oof. worry. It'll get better. Yeah. So 61 is going to be amazing for you. Thank you. You're going to, you're going to rebound strong. I can was, feel it. Wasn't that Roger Maris's That was the magic number, yeah. number? Yeah, yeah. 61. That's sort of, you know, when that number came up, and that's what I always, because, you know, baseball was my thing. But, of course, 61 got erased by, you know, Sosa and McGuire. Right. And Bonds, yeah. and nobody even knows 61 anymore. But to me, that that was the number. There you go. That's the one. But how are you otherwise? Otherwise, uh, things are good. I mean, we're settling into the summer. I can't mm -hmm. believe uh, that we're at the end of June and Fourth uh, of July weekend. is It's like yeah. nothing ever happened. Well, I mean, the good news is more and more things are coming back to life, and, and that's a positive sign. And let's hope we keep the variant at bay, as uh, that's been the latest thing that they're trying to, you know, basically get us all concerned about again. You know, I used to work for Delta Airlines and this mm -hmm. new disease or mm -hmm. the new variant yes. is called the Delta. And I'm, I'm sure. thinking, yeah, the airline must be freaking out. Say, I'm sure they're really thrilled about it. Yeah, you know? really. But uh, anyway, today I'm kind of excited because uh, we have a very special guest on the show. Yeah. I've never met him personally, but in reading about him, you know, when you talk about people who've really run the gamut in the media in terms of their careers. This guy, he's he's got the deed done. He's a real been there, done that guy. And we're going to talk with Rob Barnett, who's got a brand new book uh, that should be out by the time we hit the air. Hopefully. And we're going to talk to him about that, talk uh, to him about his history, how he got where he is. And, you know, I think a, a show like today and having a guest like today, particularly for us being middle-aged warriors and many middle-aged warriors out there listening not only just from COVID, but just from that point in your life are confronted with having to make a career change, either yeah. losing the job or shifting gears, just getting tired of the one you're in. Uh, I think Rob is going to give us some advice and it's going to be pretty helpful. Then. The month of June is heating up with a ton of exciting sports action and bet online is where you can find it from basketball and hockey playoffs to baseball's marquee matchups, including prop bets and futures. Yeah, Bet Online has all the latest odds, news, and information for all your online sports betting needs. Visit the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next tip off, face off, or pitch, head on over to Bet Online and start playing today. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Let's go to the audio tape. Let's bring in Rob from the green room. <laughs> <laughs> And I am so happy to welcome you on board. I know you are a busy, busy dude, and it is 
So nice of you to carve time out of your nutty schedule, Rob. Thanks for joining Chris and me on Middle Age Warriors. Thanks, guys. Welcome, Rob. You know, sometimes we use a term like media executive. He's a media executive, and, you know, he had one job in, in media. I think this case, when I say media executive, man, uh, I've done a little researching here, and I can't believe you, you've been sort of all over the board from places like CBS Radio to MTV. You've had your own online studio and network. I mean, you've had a really storied history, and that leads us up to almost to today. I'm working forward and then backwards, but uh, you've got a book out called Next Job, Best Jobs. But let's go back a little bit into your history. Now, it was in college, in college radio. That's where you sort of started falling in love with uh, music and, that, and, and radio. Is that that's where, that where the bug bit you. Yes, that's that's what happened. I mean, look, like like a lot of our friends... I grew up watching too much television, listening to too much radio and <laughs> playing every record that I could buy. Uh, and then when I got to college, it was really just in the first couple of days uh, that the RA on the floor said, right. hey, guys, I've got a radio show. You should come down and watch me. Right. And so we Wait, went did he down. Have his hand up to his ear and say, hey, guys, come he on had, down. He, he had that voice. And we went and we watched this guy. And it was like that scene in the Blues Brothers where Jake and Elwood walk into the church and James Brown is playing. And, and the light hit me. And I just said, that's it. I know what I want to do. That's it. Wow. Yeah. I want to do it's that. Really, it's really something. Hey, I want to ask you, what was the first record you ever bought? Oh, I, I know the answer to that. Uh, the, the 45 was Tommy James and the Shondells. Crimson oh, and Clover. awesome. You know, and, and, and the album was, uh, the album was Abbey Road. That was the first album I bought, you know. That would have been about, what, 1969? Six, I believe that's right. I always win. I win the what was your first concert question. Nobody nobody beats me. And what was I, your first concert? I win. Yeah? I'm just warning you. Is it the Beatles? Okay. <laughs> no, it's it's better. It's it's Well, it's not better. It's the Monkees oh. with their opening act, Jimi Hendrix at oh. Forest Hills, one of only four shows he opened for the Monkees because that was a bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> my parents took me in 1967. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Yeah, you win. Mine, yeah. mine was Elton John in Madison Square Garden in 1976, louder than the Concord. And mine was Peter Frampton in Madison Square Garden in 1976. So there you I go. I was there. I have the I have the color pictures that I took of Peter Frampton oh. from that show. I was there. So I see, obviously, I mean, people can't see this right now, but we can see you. And I see there's a tremendous vinyl collection behind you as well as uh, CD. So are you still one of these guys? You take the vinyl out. You feel like it has a certain warmth or something. What what is it about vinyl? It's everything, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's it's everything. I mean, not to get too heavy, but I I think this wall behind me saved my life multiple times. It, it's really? it's been it's been the thing, you yeah. know. For for me, uh, rock and roll was was a saving saving grace. Still is. Yeah, I mean, the power of music it does get us through a lot, indeed, and obviously it's in your blood you know it's it's for you i think let's let's talk about the radio path then so you were doing rock radio in different parts of the country a specific area where where were you 
I started up in Boston on the same little college station that we were talking about where Howard Stern was just a wow. few years before me. It was in the basement of a dorm at BU. Oh. <laughs> and, uh, and then that led to some internships at the real commercial rock radio stations in Boston. That's where I started to meet the people who were kind enough to ask me to buy their uh, drugs, alcohol, cigarettes. <laughs> and then every once in a while, every once in a while, they'd give me some wisdom about how this industry worked. And, uh, and that allowed me to, to sort of wind my way into my first paid radio gig, which, believe it or not, was the night before John Lennon was murdered wow. in 1980. Oh that was the oh night goodness. I started getting a paycheck to, to do a radio show. Do you remember how much that paycheck was? No, I was, I was the weekend overnight guy. Ah. So it couldn't have been oh. much. Big bucks, big bucks. <laughs> couldn't afford a shoe shine with that. Did you get a t-shirt? Oh, definitely. There was swag involved. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And do you still have that T-shirt stuffed in some closet somewhere? Well, he, now I've completely outed myself as the nerd that I am. Of course, nah. the answer to that question is yes. Yes. <laughs> hey, Rob, I'm sorry. I'm just going to interject for a second. If it'll make you feel any better, I started in radio in 1979 and have my first T-shirt from WTKO Ithaca. Um, which is where I started. And I just folded it in my closet today and I can't seem to part with it. It hasn't fit me for 20 years, <laughs> but I can't seem to, to part with it. That's yeah, well, the very fabric of who you are. I mean, I've got a lot of oldies too. I mean, one of the things that we were talking about on a previous show, uh, we named our softball team after the, it was called the Clash City Rockers. And I came ah, across nice. our old jerseys and I'm like, I can't get rid of these. I've got a couple of old Clash jersey uh, t-shirts as well. So you just can't get rid of them. I may never put them on my body again. They may never fit. I don't know. But uh, those are the things that I think where we connect so well to our past leading to who we are today, those things are bridges and we can't get rid of them. We just can't. It's, it's yeah. really cool stuff. Now you moved on to MTV. How and when did that happen? Uh, not at the very first moment, which was 1981, but in the later 80s, when it was still the center of the pop culture universe, I had a great, great run there for about a dozen years, the first half at MTV, second half at VH1. And that was a time when both of those networks were all music and yeah. nothing but. Yeah. Can I tell you a, a very funny Sumner Redstone story? Sure. Because I too used to work in 1515 Broadway, right in, right in the heart of New York City, and it was great. And when they built uh, the dynasty of radio, television, MTV was just unfolding. And do you remember in 1515, they built a cafeteria called The Lodge for all the Viacom workers? And there yes, was sir. There was a great story, which I love sharing with people, um, that Sumner Redstone was overheard saying to uh, Tom Freston or, or somebody else he was in, in line with to pay for his salad. Don't put your dressing on till after they weigh your salad. <laughs> that's, 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 how, that's, that rich. that's how you become a multi-billionaire. That's a great one. I, I saw him at that salad bar. I did. <laughs> Without any dressing on his salad. Did you, put, did you put your finger on the scale? <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. So now you were there 
I guess, well, between MTV and VH1, and really you were there at the point where it was really just such a, a social thing. Oh. MTV moved, moved us societally. You know, it had that kind of power. It's long gone now, obviously, but what was it like being part of that? And what, what was the energy like? I'm, I'm trying to get into that feel of like being there at the, at the onset, the beginning, the embryonic stage almost. Well, I think about it all the time, Chris, because the magic was not by accident. The magic came because the people who were in charge, the biggest bosses, were people who gave us the kind of freedom that does not exist today mm -hmm. in major media companies. Mm -hmm. One of the three of us could pitch an idea at 1.15 in the afternoon on a Wednesday. And by, I don't know, maybe next Monday, that idea would be on television all around mm -hmm. the world without seven years of meetings and <laughs> watering it down and 43 executives. One of the three of us at 1.15 on a Wednesday afternoon could make some horrible mistake mm -hmm. and not be fired for right. it but just right. sat down and said, Hey, Chris, you fucked up, you know? Right. And, 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 and they, they trusted us. They gave us room. We were allowed to take risks and we loved each other. I mean, I'll right. tell you a funny story at the Tribeca film festival. I believe this was 2019. I mean, none of us know what year it is anymore, but it was <laughs> yeah. just a couple of years ago. Uh, <laughs> some of our friends put together a documentary on MTV and it was going to premiere at the at the festival. So one of my friends puts on Facebook, hey, we're going to go to the movie next week. You know, if anybody wants to get together, maybe a few of us can meet for drinks at such and such a bar. It was a Facebook post. <laughs> that night, a few nights later, 250 people showed up at that <laughs> oh, bar. Because that's, how, that's yeah. how much magical DNA got into all of us because of the shared experiences we had. But, you know, where, does, where has that really gone? You know, you, what you're, the picture you're painting is that management connected and understood the real workers in the trenches and they respected and there was respect both ways. Now, I've come out of the news industry for 30 plus years and I can tell you that that deteriorated each and every year and got worse and worse and the disconnect became greater and greater, creates resentment and talk about getting something done. I mean, I've been to places where, oh, they want to take a red stripe and put it at the bottom of the news desk. Well, I don't know about that. I mean, <laughs> that had to go through consultants and months and months. What, what's, what's gone on here? Are people just justifying new jobs, meaning you know people who have to make these decisions and consulting companies? Or is, does it really serve a purpose? Yeah, that's actually a phrase that, that I, I felt I coined many years ago. I call it JJ. JJ stands for job justification. Mm -hmm. I like it. it. I usually, like it a lot. It usually appears like this. It's an email that says, hey, I'm just letting you all know that Rick and Chris and Rob had a great podcast this afternoon for 45 minutes. It went really well. Uh, keep me posted. Thanks, CC, whatever. <laughs> and, then, and then there's 17 emails that come after that. And the emails uh. say things like, sounds good. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> you know, thanks. And, and no work is getting done. No, no. creativity is getting done. Right. So, you know, this is all the negative bitchy part of this question. The positive part of this question is 
where does all that freedom and punk spirit go? And the answer is right here in media that we control, mm. in technology that we control, without the need for any Sumner Redstones. God bless him. I mean, he yeah. paid me for a long time. So I'm not saying this to be mean to the, the guy. May he rest in peace. He, he gave me an amazing career. But truthfully, you don't need Sumner Redstone or NBC or CNN anymore if you're able to create content that can build an audience and we know you can reach that audience free of charge. So, so the, the new punk is here. I want to ask you, you, you're a dad, right? You have three kids, three kids. How do you explain what media was as opposed to how they ingested and what media is in 2021? Well, what it is, to them, I think that's different to folks my age is that it's just become like breathing, right? My, my son who's upstairs, Dylan is, is 13, and he has an innate ability, I believe that's the perfect word, an innate ability to take anything that I need done technically and get it done himself with no training. And that includes if the iPhone breaks, he'll just take it apart and get some little tool that he found on the internet and build it back himself. So, you know, I mean, it's, it's an amazing thing to me. Obviously that comes with a lot of good and a lot of bad, let's not mm. get too heavy. But, you know, I think Steve Jobs is God and the devil. Mm. Yeah, well, that's an interesting point. Well, and uh, especially from a guy who knows. Yeah, I think what, what the, you know, new media forms have done sort of released the shackles for the, the fear of accountability because it seemed nobody was ever willing to make decisions any longer because of the fear of being held accountable for it, therefore losing their job. But now, you know, you can become your own CEO pretty easily. But I did hear you speak in another interview about it, you can't do this alone either if you really want to launch something successful right. and a little larger. You can't do it alone. Expound on that a little bit. Yes, I, I think having been an entrepreneur multiple times, there's a myth to the stripes that, that those folk wear on, on their sleeve. The, the myth is that you're independent. I think the truth is that any successful entrepreneur has to be interdependent on a small group of people that you love and trust because you can't really get it done without a tribe. You can't really do mm. too much as a solo mm. artist. You need at least a small band. And isn't in fact your audience though, you're sort of your boss, each one of them is a decision maker about the quality of what you're putting out there, whether it be a product, a service, whatever it would be. So you're never really free of that judgment, so to speak, and having pseudo bosses, I guess. Well, that's what's beautiful about uh, media today versus media of yesteryears and eons. You know, we used to, in radio, be... <laughs> We'd only get the ratings four times a year, right? Right. The, 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 for those that want to Google it, the Arbitron book would come out <laughs> four times a year. So you didn't really know how you were doing. And when those ratings came out, same as Nielsen for mm -hmm. television, those ratings were always an estimation mm -hmm. of how many people might be consuming the media. Audience Whereas the minute right? that YouTube was born, 
and 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 then Facebook and Twitter and all the rest, there is a definitive understanding about how many human beings are there. Mm-hmm. And that in and of itself was a complete game changer in the way that old media people used to think mm-hmm. about, as you say, Chris, what is what does the audience think, right? What is what's the audience saying? Well, well, now you know. <laughs> yeah, now yeah. you really know. Sometimes a little too much with the analytics that are out there, but available. Wanna, you know. I want to ask you about your book, uh, Next Job, Best Job. I love the title because I want to write a book called Last Job, Worst Job to kind of, <laughs> to kind of partner with your yeah. book. Tell us about that and, and how that became uh, your reality. Well, in 2018, I got stuck in my lovely career like so many friends do. And I made every best effort to try to get the work that I needed next to uh, take care of my family and my needs. And I was finding it increasingly difficult, if not maddening, if not almost impossible. And I gave it a good go for about six months, but then I started losing my shit. And so on June the 1st of 2018, with no game plan, no notes, I was not wearing nice clothing. I didn't have good lighting. I hadn't (laughs) shaved. I grabbed my iPhone and I press record and I made a little two minute video about being stuck. And I said, look, this is not unique. This is happening to so many of my friends, some of the smartest, most creative and talented people I know are home. This is ridiculous. We can't be home. And Mm. let's at least get our heads together and start figuring this out. I uploaded it to LinkedIn and Facebook at 9am. And by the time it got to about six, seven o'clock at night, under this one video, there were 600 lengthy comments and it nailed 16,000 views in a single day. Oh my! And that had never happened to me before. So Mm. I looked at it and thought, Huh. Well, I, I got to wake up tomorrow and do that again, because <laughs> that, that, that I better do episode two. Mm-hmm. So I called episode two, struck a nerve, question mark. And, <laughs> uh, and, I, and I kept going. Now you're up to maybe eight or nine days in a row. And a guy calls and he says, listen, I met you at MTV 100 years ago. You probably don't remember me, but I'm watching these and I need to hire a chief operating officer. Is that what this is? You're, you're a headhunter? And I went, yes. Yeah. And, then, and, and, and then I muted the call because we weren't Zooming back then. And I started putting in the Google search, recruiter, commission, fee, percentage, retainer. You know, I, I, I was trying to get a master class on the fly before he asked me the next question. And I swear to you, I just faked my way into it. And then after I was convincing enough, he said, great, write it up. Let's do it. And that was that second moment of James Brown in the church, right? That was where I went, (laughs) oh my God, I just figured out the whole final chapter of this weird life. You know, it just, it, it, it was suggested to me. I didn't have the thought myself. So, so then of course I never stopped making a video this morning, by the way, was episode 800. And uh, after about a year of it, where I'm headhunting and I'm putting people in good jobs, uh, a literary agent contacted me on LinkedIn and I realized there was only two reasons he could be reaching out. One was the poor guy's lost his job and he needs a headhunter. And, and two, 
was my mom's greatest wish is coming true from heaven. It's a book deal. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and he, he had the book deal in mind and, and God bless this man. He has the greatest agent name ever. He doesn't look like the name, but I'm going to say the name. You ready? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Rick Richter. Rick Richter. Rick Richter. <laughs> Rick Richter. Yes. Yeah, I like He's, that. He, he, God bless this man. He he got it sold and they paid a nice chunk of money for it so that, you know, my COVID experience was to wake up at 4 a.m. every morning with my editor and create this thing from about 4A till 8A every morning, oh. get the kids started, get them their school going, and then do my regular headhunting job. You so know, that on was our my show, COVID which is survival, you know, on our show, which is geared towards middle-aged warriors, men in particular, uh, that is so inspiring because so many of us have gone through that stuck in the mud. What am I going to do next? And your story is just, I mean, it's gold. It really is. Well, you're looking at it, one of those stuck in the mud guys, by the way. I mean, you know, <laughs> I'm waiting. I'm about 20 months in without a paycheck and searching and searching. And I have to tell you, sometimes you, I'm just, I feel like I'm treading water and flailing my arms and I'm about to go down. But um, well, let me get this book launched and then we'll give you a lovely free uh, uh, session <laughs> to help you steal some of the tricks in the book. Because honestly, uh, the book is secretly spiritual but mm. on its face very prescriptive about how to throw out all these old antiquated rules of a job search and replace them with 2021 techniques that are very mm. very different and you know we don't have all day to talk about it but i'll give you one right now I'll give you one the the cover letter that every single person writes for a job sounds like this Give me a company. Name a company. Semino. Oh, no, no. <laughs> Give me a real one. Give me a real company. IBM. IBM. Uh, uh, to whom it may concern. <laughs> I am applying for the job of boring manager of boring department, you know, at, at IBM. And I want you to know that I've been an IBM user since the seventh grade. I would be thrilled to speak with you in an interview to discuss my proven track record of success and my demonstrated history of great oral and written yeah. communication skills. This is what cover letters sound like. Yeah. What we've been doing for the last couple of years is let's make believe that that job at IBM is, um, you know, vice president of software development. Let's call it that. Mm -hmm without being asked and before the resume has even been sent the very first thing we want ibm to see is a detailed analysis of what they've been doing in software development for the last six to 12 months by a prospective candidate who wasn't even asked to say hello right okay. we we want to come with here's what i've seen you do that's extremely impressive and here's why Here's what I've seen you do that may have missed the mark with a couple of ideas on what I would do. And then what the cover letter doesn't have is a boring repetition of everything that's going to be on the resume, which is attached. And, right. and so by, by making the cover letter chock full of content, mm -hmm. it's getting that person interviewed 
a thousand times faster than every other candidate because they've come so strong without even being asked. I, I'm about to place the number two gentleman at Gentleman's Quarterly, GQ. Wow. And we're going to finish that up hopefully this week or next week. One of my finalists wrote a letter that called them out big time on all the really? stuff he thought they were doing wrong. And I called him up and I said, are you sure you want to swing? Big? <laughs> you know, are you sure you want to take this swing? And he said, yes. And guess what? They loved it because he took a risk and he called them out, he called them out and they took them seriously as opposed to every other cover letter, which is an ass kissing. Right. You know, well. Uh, experience well here's a guy that's going to join them and move things and change things and and i think that's that's what they saw in that uh, obviously they have thick skin over at gq but a couple of real quick stories <laughs> uh, that are were funny uh to me i know you you did a little something grandma jamie had a quote oh yeah now tell us a little bit about grandma jamie and then the quote oh well look we should all be so lucky in our lives and i know uh many people are to have that person in your family or somewhere in your life that is the pure embodiment of unconditional love, the person mm. with which you can do no wrong. So I grew up with two grandmas. God bless the other one. She was mean. She was a witch. But <laughs> Grandma, she was. She was a witch. That's honest. I'm just telling the truth. She was That's a witch. Honest. God bless her, right? But Grandma Janie, my mom's mom, who was born in Liverpool with her eight brothers and sisters, came over to the States and at a young age. Grandma Janie was that, that goddess of unconditional love for me. Mm. And in my teens and certainly in my early 20s, when I would sit with her and she would drink her cup of tea in the morning. She still had the British accent. Wow. And, you know, she'd drink her cup of tea. And whenever I brought her some kind of soulful problem, some dilemma, some angst that I was suffering, she would just look at me with the first words that I chose to start the book with. She'd say, you'll know when you know. <laughs> so that brings us back to that first radio story. And it brings us back to finding that accidental mm -hmm. epiphany as a headhunter I, I think that we all have to kind of do a lot of listening on the inside mm -hmm. and, and give yourself with certainty the answer to what you're supposed to do next. I mean, the most exciting thing I can tell you about this book is that not only is Grandma Janie in it, but Bob Dylan is in the book. Oh, and wow. Bob Dylan and his manager gave us permission to share something with you in the book the publisher keeps saying, don't give it away in interviews. So I won't give it all away. I won't give it all away. I want your 27 bucks for, 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 for Zimmerman. But, but, but it is about, it is about learning to listen to your own best voice and not being swayed by everyone else's opinion. But how do you, how do you get rid of that noise, that external noise? Any, any, little piece of advice you can give in that because that is a large part of the problem we never hear ourselves because we're focused so much on the noise around us in the world around us we're not in touch with us in reality well i mean look there 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 does need to be moments in the besides day. drugs besides using drugs yeah, besides <laughs> drugs besides besides drugs which which can do it yeah. there, there should be there should be moments in the day where you do 
get over yourself and get outside mm -hmm. yourself and do some reflection and really, really in, in those moments, ask for Keith Richards is in the book too. And Keith talks mm -hmm. about uh, that moment when inspiration strikes Keith in the studio. It's a beautiful, mm -hmm. beautiful story that was told uh, originally to me by Don was who produces the stones all the time. Don mm -hmm. is, is one of the best musicians and producers and human beings I know. Um, but, but when you need to have space in your day mm -hmm. for intuition and inspiration to come, but then you also need to do something in the book that we call fire the no police there are these no police in your head these these cops that come in without a warrant and mm. they say you're too old you're too junior you're inexperienced you're too expensive all these freaking voices <laughs> right. Right. That, that are in your head during a job search are powerful enough to take you down and ruin you right. so we just call it fire the no police no, I hear you on that. I have one one last little story I wanted to get out of you. I kind of did them in reverse. I should have asked this one before grandma's. Uh, but <laughs> you, you joined CBS at a time literally when the giant in CBS radio at that point, Howard Stern, was leaving. That had to really suck in a word. I mean, what, what the <laughs> hell was going through your head at that point? Well, I'm enjoying this interview. I, I swear I never tell a lie. <laughs> But the greatest interview I ever had in my life was on the Howard Stern show. Mm -hmm. uh, it's an easy date to remember because it was pot day. It was it was 420. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and, and this is it happened a bunch of years after I was president of CBS radio and then thrown out with the trash and years after Howard quit to go to satellite. But we got to sit down for about an hour and talk to each other about what I described as maybe the most impossible <laughs> project, the most impossible experience of a lifetime. It wasn't just hard on its own face. I had to work for Les Moonves. May he rest in obscurity uh, <laughs> be, because he, he was a genius in the world of television. But at that point, he was my boss in radio, didn't like it, didn't know anything about it, yeah. and assumed that the audience that Howard took 20 or 25 years to build could be replaced overnight, like putting on a new television show. So, Thanks for so, playing. Uh, yeah, that was that was a, a disaster. But but there was some great good that came out of it. I hired Jimmy Kimmel as my consigliere, and, and we put the Adam Carolla show up on the West Coast. We gave Adam all of the, the Western hemisphere that mm -hmm. was ruled by the king of all media and Adam did a great job, but you know, it, it was a, it was a crazy story and there's a secret link to it somewhere on the web. You can find the whole long version with me and Howard. I actually saw the interview. Uh, we're talking with Rob Barnett, next job, best job. And Rob, I mean, I have to tell you that on the tail end of the interview, you were coming out of the studio and there's some video shot. You look so relieved. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, they interviewed me going in and they said, how do you feel? And I go, nervous. You know? yeah. And they said, well, why? And I said, because he's the best interview of all time. Absolutely. And then you're right. They got me coming out and they said, how did you feel? And I, honestly, he was he was lovely is the word mm -hmm. coming out of my mouth. He was mm -hmm. lovely. Uh, I, I asked um, 
I had worked with Jimmy Kimmel for years and I was so nervous about doing Howard. And I said to Jimmy, what do I need to know? And he said, it's the easiest advice in the world. Just totally tell them the truth and, yeah. and be yourself and it'll be fine. And as simple as that advice was, it really made for a great experience. I, I love that man. I, I'm so in awe of him because as I said to him, and we touched on this, Chris, a little bit earlier in one of your questions, you know, people are so afraid of getting fired. And right. it's one of the things that just makes every job suck. Mm. Howard is one of the only people I've ever known who is not afraid. I mean, really not afraid. Yeah. And that gives him power and success. It's beautiful. Well, I will say, because I guess we got to wrap up and got to get you wherever it is you got to right. be next. But uh, that that intimacy and that honesty and that transparency that you brought to our interview here on Middle Age Warriors and that you brought with Howard on your interview with him uh, is what Chris and I talk about all the time uh, is lacking, not just from a media standpoint and uh, some of the talking heads we see on TV or in politics, but just in life in general, as we get older, we've really come to appreciate uh, our, our foibles and our, you know, a lot of the dents and dings in our armor. Yeah. I mean, if you're not going to be genuine, I'm tired. I don't want to be bothered anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Go yeah. away. That's, that's well, I, I, I serve on the board of directors of a great organization called Why Hunger. They've been around for a long time. They were founded by Bill Ayers and Harry Chapin. And they have the small mission of ending hunger in the world. Mm -hmm. And every year we do an incredible night to honor somebody who's really fighting the fight. So a couple of years ago, Mellencamp was our honoree. Mm -hmm. We did this great private event at City Winery in oh. New York. And when it was over, I went over to the bar to get a final drink for the road. And there was his then fiance at the bar and I got a chance to meet Meg Ryan, which was really cool. Oh. <laughs> but the reason why I want to end on this story based on what you just said, Rick, is I glanced down at her, her forearm and she had a tattoo on the inside of her arm. And the tattoos just simply said, life is too short. Mm -hmm. And that gave us this great conversation. And now that we've survived COVID, yeah, I don't go 24 hours without thinking about that phrase at least two or three times every single day that life is too short not to be doing the work you want to be doing. And life is too short not to be seeing the friends you miss and you want to see. And life is too short to be living in the wrong town and God forbid married to the wrong person. Life is too short. And, yeah. and, and I, I think that that is uh, part of what we all get to do now that we seem to be, and that's a phrase I'm using carefully, seem to be. we seem to be past the worst of yeah. what was the greatest loss of life we've ever seen. Will you come back and visit with us again down the road? We love Hell talking. yes. Hell, Hell yes. yes. I like that. Well, Thank you guys so much. So the book is called Next Job, Best Job. Is it out and available yet? Or? Yeah, so um, the, the easiest place to get to everything about the book, hardcover, ebook, audiobook, the whole shoot and match, mm -hmm. you go to robbarnettmedia.com slash book. 
and it's all up there. You can hear excerpts from it and read more about it. And if you so choose to help my three kids and two ex-wives get a copy will you <laughs> well said and yeah. honest again that's what i liked about it. that was a very honest uh, sale uh the other thing on that website real quick what other <laughs> things are available for people if they go to your website can they get other information about uh the headhunting scenario and what's, what's yes uh, thank you for asking that um look my philosophy about being a headhunter is that ideally i should only be paid by the companies who need me to mm. place the best person in that job. Ideally, a job seeker should pay me $0.00 and zero cents, and we make everything that we do available for free Amen. to job seekers, meaning the site is private, mm -hmm. but we want people to go to robbarnettmedia.com, create a profile just like you would on LinkedIn, mm -hmm. upload all your stuff. You can apply to jobs. It's all free. Mm -hmm. We have a, an email that we send out every Sunday morning at the spinal tap time of <laughs> 11, 11 a.m. Eastern <laughs> spinal tap time. That mm -hmm. email announces new jobs every week. It's all this shit is free. Mm -hmm. On the website, there is a tab called sessions. Those are optional. We don't insist that anybody take one of those, mm -hmm. but that's where we do a lot more hand-to-hand -hand combat for people who really want to work with us and, and take that job search bull by the horns and do things like recreate the world's best LinkedIn and resume and cover letter, make what I call a target company list mm -hmm. so that you stop rando surfing job sites right. and only concentrate on the 20 or 30 or more places where you want to be. We mm -hmm. teach people how to just do a completely different modern day job search and, and you can book all that stuff directly on the website. Awesome. Book them, Dano. Yeah, sounds like a great tool. And uh, I know a lot of people are going to be uh, utilizing that. So we'll spread the word for you as well, Rob. Thank you so much. Well, I have to say, yeah, I was impressed just reading about this. Dude. I know, really. And now after spending uh, more than forty minutes with him, what a what a great guy, what a smart guy. Yeah, and just some great information and great stories too. Like I said, uh, I did not ever speak to Rob before we just mm -hmm. spoke on this interview. You obviously just met him for the first time yeah. as well, and we both felt like we have known him for a very long time. What could be better? No, and I think the thing is his genuineness really comes through. And I, I that's why I would recommend anybody who is, you know, dealing with, you know, a job search and career changes or anything like that. The next job, best job uh, is a book probably well worth taking a look at, as well as his website, because it seems like he has a lot of great tools there to help you out. And we've both been at last job, worst job. So yes. why not go to next job, best, <laughs> best job. job? I'm all about that. Yeah. But I hope you guys enjoyed the show, enjoyed the interview. I know we did. And uh, at this point, I don't have too much more to add as we continue to grind into the summer. I'm just going to say until next time, stay well, stay smart, sunshine always. Be good, feel good. He's Chris Cimino. I'm Rick Summers. Our show is produced this week at Cimino Studios, New York City office. Together again. All right. <laughs> we're vaccinated and together. And of course, always remember this show is brought to you by Bet Online. Hey, thanks for joining us again on Middle-Aged Warriors here on the Believe Podcast Network. Please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. Five stars would be really, really nice. Not that I'm trying to influence you or anything. 
Also, you can find us on Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Middle-aged warriors, your mileage may vary. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.